Welcome to episode 143 of Destination Linux. This is a podcast of opinions made up of four of the greatest simpletons ever talking about our passion for Linux. I'm Zeb, and with me today are the Watchmen of Linux, Noah, Michael, and Ryan. So, Michael, apart from terrorizing the Ryan household, what have you been doing lately? Uh, I've been doing quite a bit, actually. Uh, one, I uh, did a Bitwarden video. One is a video I've been trying to do for a very long time, and Ryan helped me do it. It wasn't because I took forever to do it. That was just, uh, it just happened to be, you know, Ryan was just a good example sure. of a collaboration thing that we needed to do. And that's yes. just, it's just how it worked out that way. Collaboration. Yes, exactly. And, uh, yeah, uh, also... I'm doing something right now that will probably blow everyone's minds who knows anything about what uh, my setup. Uh, I'm not running Plasma right now. <gasps> You're back wow. to Windows 10? No. XFCE finally? I'm actually on XFCE right now. Yeah. yeah. Welcome welcome to the winning world. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I actually was, uh, I was having some computer issues earlier today. Uh, and we're trying to record the show. And I was looking through all the things that I had. And the only thing that I had that was bootable was an Endeavor OS with XFCE. So that's what we're running right now. Nice. So Awesome. Yeah. And it work, it's working out so far pretty good. So I'm, I'm glad to say that. Excellent. Um, and Noah, what's new in your world? Hey, you know what? We dropped episode one of the School of Hard Knocks. It was well received. I got it was amazing to me how many people went out and downloaded it. So thank you to all of the Destination Linux family that that went out there to do that. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. A lot of hard work went into that episode two. We're working on it's going to focus on marriage and relationships, and uh, and so you know I have an interesting relationship with my wife. We are both kind of nerds and geeks, and we've developed a couple different systems together to kind of. Uh, make our life run smoother and, and we enjoy that and thought it might be kind of fun to share that but I also know that there's probably a lot of other people out there that have a lot of wisdom and so the only way to find out is to actually go out talk to these people and find out what it is that they have learned about relationships and so I uh, we're, we're going to do that and episode two will be released on November 1st nice sounds good and then Ryan now that you finally sorted out your pest control problem of last week um, how's your week been it's been wonderful since we kicked Michael out of the house. Um, wow. He tried to move in, but we were like, no, it's, it's a no-go, dude. It's a no-go. He's not kidding. No, he was a fantastic guest. We had a lot of fun, and we did get the collab video, like you talked about, out with Bitward, so you can go check it out. Part one's on my channel. Part two is on his channel, so uh, that was a lot of fun to work on. Also, Dark One, our, I would say a troll of the show, not a friend of the show. A troll of the show, <laughs> Dark One, sent me one of his machines that was having a laptop that was having horrible thermal issues uh, when you turn it on, it would basically overheat. And so I tore that old machine apart and looked inside and found a horrible example of somebody doing their own, and it wasn't dark one, by the way, their own custom um, heat, <laughs> heat sink fix, which was like silly putty. I posted pictures of it in my uh, telegram group, silly putty, something pads everywhere and way too thick and basically creating a thermal insulation instead of actually removing heat from um, the GPU. Uh, I also used that opportunity. He, he sent me in the mail at the same time and a upgraded video card for the laptop and said, could you see if you could get this to work while you're in there, which I did. So we've been running some stress tests on it and you can see that it is not getting over even in stress 64 degrees Celsius which is great because that card ranges between, you know, 70 to 90 degrees as it's when it's under stress. So um, I put some very high-end thermal paste. No, it wasn't Arctic 5, Noah, and uh, some high-end thermal Arctic pads. Arctic silver. Oh, okay. And uh, everything is running <laughs> splendid there. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, one last thing. I did notice, though, one of the big problems that may be causing Dark One's issue is there was a Windows installation on the machine. So I promptly wiped out that virus, and I think that helped tremendously. Yeah, it's, it sounds like that would be the most uh, thermal Im improvement you could possibly do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Zeb, tell us about your week. Uh, well, I've been doing some more testing with the uh, Ubuntu 19.10 uh, family, or 19.10. Um, and after the, the first couple of bugs that I found, I'm happy to report that everything seems to be working swimmingly well. Um, and I've also been helping test MX19 and trying to help solve a potential NVMe issue uh, that we've had with the installers there. That's awesome that you're helping him out there. Now, there was an NVMe issue in the past that I worked on 
with Dolphin and he fixed. So I might have some notes in there to share with you on what we did back then. Casey doesn't recall. Maybe that will help. That'd be great. Thank you. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and so much more. You can get all this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 a month. Or you can use their flexible pricing structure for as low as 0.7 cents per hour. That's darn near free, as Ryan would say. DigitalOcean also has 2,000 cloud agnostic tutorials to help you stay up to date with the latest open source software, languages, and framework. So get started on DigitalOcean for one month free with a $50 credit by going to do.co forward slash DL. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $50 credit by going to do.co forward slash DL. And we would like to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring the show. Dale writes into us to say, Afternoon, Ghostbusters and Teenage Ninja Turtles. Congrats on DLN. This is your individual shows are great. I was a listener to you guys for many, many years, and it helped me get into Linux, and then found Noah over here and been listening for a couple of months now. Other than work, I personally am 100% Linux and have parents on Linux as well. I think a great show topic could be based on the following. I used to have a couple of servers at home. Own cloud, media, backup service, etc. I have slowly been relying more and more on services from Google, such as Drive, Gmail, Great. so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm not sure why you go that direction, man. You're not listening carefully enough to the show. <laughs> I can contribute this switch to one main reason, the wife. She's not paying enough attention to the show either. I'm the one into computers. The wife is not, and the thing that is weighing on my mind is if something were to happen to me, she would be, for lack of a better word, screwed. If she needed another phone, she just has to log into Google and back up to get back up and running, where prior I would do all the setup for her, and she's not interested in wanting to know how to just make it work. I would like to know if you could handle or suggest some, something to handle the desire to control one's content, but yet make sure your loved one is able to keep it moving forward. Keep up the great content, Dale. Well, what I would tell you, Dale, is, uh, is, is I give you a two-part answer. The first part answer is, is it possible to do what you're asking? Yes, but it involves money. You would have to hire somebody who understands how to keep the ball moving, as you quaintly put it, and your wife would have to absorb that cost as part of defending her privacy or paying for her privacy because the reality is the reason google is able to offer those things at a convenience for your wife for free is because she's paying with it with her privacy so your wife would have to make a decision in in your untimely absence uh if she values privacy enough to 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 spend money or she wants to just spend her privacy to have that service for free those are the that, that that's the high road to looking at it the other thing that you can do and what i highly suggest you do is get your wife to come sit down and make it a family event become a destination linux patreon and join us on sundays because i promise you you ever hear that top gear is not really about cars it's just an entertaining show that happens to circle around cars that's kind of like this we have been here for Almost two hours, and we've not really even talked about Linux, but we've been very entertaining. And she'll learn something on the side. So that's my suggestion. You know, I think that's a perfect suggestion because honestly, I have I deal with this all the time from family members. You know, initially when I got into Linux and I started talking about all this privacy and security, my wife's like, but I like Gmail and I like, you know, the way Windows does my photo management and right. all of these things. And it took time. This isn't an easy thing, but as these stories, it, what's made it so much easier, honestly, to talk to people is everybody's privacy is being invaded so heavily. And the news stories every single week are around all of these uh, invasions of privacy and loss of data. And it's hitting all of these major companies. And to me, right. if that's not, if, if you're sharing that information with your spouse and saying, look, they, these issues could really impact us. If you have children, it's even more so. I mean, you know, the biometric data being collected on your kids and information, this stuff matters and people are starting to wake up and realize it's ma- it matters more and more because, like right. I said, the old adage that we talked about last week of, well, I don't do anything bad on the internet, so I don't care. Well, that's not going to work anymore because, you know, what you think is bad taken out of context and sent to somebody else could look completely or thinks not bad taken out of context to somebody else 
could look completely different. So exactly. Um, I think if you spend the time to educate your family members on why privacy is important and hopefully you can get some talking points from our show, like Noah said, then you'll be on the road to well, helping her understand the technology because she's capable of it. Yeah. And like you said, none of these mm-hmm. solutions are yeah. easy. I, I, I guess to be more blunt, what I was suggesting is, you know, if she becomes a patron and joins us here in the chat and, you know, participates in the after show discussion, she's going to learn a lot by being able to ask Absolutely. questions and be around other people that are talking about it. Yep. No, I think that's a very good point. And, and everybody's capable of learning this stuff and i think as they understand the what's at risk if you don't then they'll realize that while gmail and stuff is convenient uh there's also some major uh privacy issues that could be impactful to her family and you know kids if you have those as well so this is a reason why we love hearing from you the community Um, and if you send in a video seeing our listeners because it brings up such interesting topics and they come in from all around the world. So send us your video content showing us your tech, your favorite desktop, comments or suggestions, and we may feature it in a future episode. Post it on YouTube, PeerTube. You don't have to make it public. It can be a video of you, a still picture, any way you like. But the important thing is try and keep it short and succinct. Send your video links to and or your comments to comments at destinationlinux.org. All right. So next up is an article I'm not very happy to cover, but on this show, we have talked about distributions that we loved and then they make a dumb decision and we call it out. We've always called it out no matter what fandom we have, no matter how much we like the people behind it. If something dumb is done, we say it for what it is. So excuse me to keep that into line. Um, I love Arch, and I've been promoting it heavily, uh, as some people may or may not have noticed, but stupid is stupid. And Arch has decided that installing it is not hard enough. Uh, So Arch announced a new minimal base. Uh, This doesn't impact current installs, but will impact all the new users who are trying to check out Arch because they heard it here on this show, and this DOS geek guy who has a room full of green stuff and loves Linux talks about it. Um, And what they're doing in this base minimal install is removing the kernel option from the beginning. So you get to choose that. They're removing the text editors out. And I'm not even sure there's Linux in this thing at all. At this point, since you said it's uh, removing the kernel. Yeah. So you go in and you pick that stuff now yourself and have to install that. So you've got all of these additional steps to take. Uh, Now, following the wiki, you'll be able to stumble through, assuming they've gotten that updated at this point now, when this episode's being released. However, there are so many guides around the internet that even I used when I first started with Arch because the wiki's okay. But the reality is there's a lot of areas in that wiki installation process that don't make sense unless you're a system admin as a profession on how to get certain things set up. So I would go to these other articles and I would, you know, fill in the gaps that I felt the wiki didn't have. But now, of course, those are not going to be correct. There are scripts that are written to make Arch easy to install that now all have to be re-updated because you're going to have to account for not having a kernel and text editor and a bunch of other things we don't know just yet, everything there is that they're removing out. Um, Arch said in this announcement on the mailing list, the base group has been replaced by a meta package of the same name. We advise users to install the package, Pacman. Uh, dash SYU base as it is effective mandatory from now on. So Arch decides to making itself harder to install versus easier is the direction to go, which to me is a huge disappointment. Uh, We've seen Steam and others show interest in Arch and uh, even releasing some of their new updates and things for Arch before other distros, which prior was not a thing that ever happened. So Arch was kind of gaining in popularity. And then to me, this is just a step in the wrong direction. Arch should be easier to install, not more difficult. The idea even today, as much as I like Arch, as difficult as it is to install, is not actually, in my opinion, a bonus in Arch's, you know, from an Arch standpoint. It is a negative, right? Mm-hmm. Because in this day and age, having to sit there in a, in a terminal and manually type all of these commands to configure each individual thing is stupid. Um, which is why people write scripts who are even Arch fans to install Arch because they don't want to sit there and do that either. So now we're going to make it more difficult. I think this is a terrible decision. And it's interesting because I think the new meme is going to be 
Oh, by the way, I use Headache Linux. Headache Linux. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it is it is an interesting thing that they're doing, and and I and we have looked into like you know what they're doing it for, and they're saying that it's you know it's better to have the choice in the user side, but there's also sometimes where it doesn't really make sense for the user's side to do it. Like for example. The, removing the kernel part is the weird is the one of the weirdest things like removing a text editor I, you kind of still need the text editor in order to edit certain notes like you would need nano to change your mirror list when you install your system and all that kind of stuff but re- removing the kernel as a part of the base system doesn't really make sense to me because what other kernel is it going to be using Yes, well, there's multiple versions of like the Linux kernel. There's the regular version that's rolling in Arch. Then there's the LTS stuff and then blah, blah. But at the same time, all of these kernels are being made by Arch. So what value is it is to say, hey, I want to use the LTS version instead of the, you know, the, the regular Arch version as an option in the default? Because it like come with a default first so that it can actually be booted in the, in the later rather than if you install your system uh, from like the base package, like like the previous thing that people say, uh, installing the base would basically have no kernel to boot the system, and therefore like, you know, you'd have to continue to build stuff out in order to get it to actually be running. And it just seems like it's just, it, I think it is going a step backwards because, you know. This is KISS, Michael. This is KISS. Keep yeah. it simple. This is the arch principle. You're wrong. I can't wait to get those comments. <laughs> That's a good point because I hate that term because they always say this. And it's like there's a difference between simple and minimal. Like this is the this is going to the edge of like super minimal, but it's not simple. Because Linux sim- from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simplicity is to make is, is, is not only just minimal, but it also means easy or simple to do and that's why i hate that the fact that they use that they use that principle because they don't actually mean that they mean minimal and it's just it Mm -hmm. comes off in a really weird way so i wish they wouldn't call that because basically by removing because you know that this this the acronym is keep it simple stupid what they're doing is essentially not keeping it and they're removing things to make it less simple and that's kind of stupid Nice. Well done. On their website, they have latest news for 10.06. They put, be aware that base as it stands does not currently contain a kernel, an editor, and other software you might expect. Yeah, and they don't specify what other software you might expect is. So, <laughs> Thank goodness for distros like Manjaro and Endeavor and others out there who make Arch actually reasonable to install and to get set up and running. It's kind of a shame that they're going down this route. I don't know if it's because of lack of developers and they can't continue to support stuff or what's going on over there, but to me, a big disappointment. So on to some better news. Um, we've got a Flatpak update. So Flatpak 1.5 has been released with some new features. Flatpaks are one of those beloved sandbox universal packaging systems available for Linux. So some of the new features include um, new options on the Flatpak install, hyphen hyphen or hyphen update. You can do those sort of operations. Uh, new command, Flatpak mask, and that allows pinning versions and avoiding auto-downloads. Uh, pinnings means you can keep auto-updates from going through. It supports self-updates and update monitoring in the Flatback portal. There are fixed updates of exported services with which where Dbus was broken. It then goes on to list a whole other raft of things. But for me, one of the things that it doesn't fix is the size of a flat pack why in comparison to some of the other universal apps are they so large so please the flat the flat pack expert amongst us why are they so huge why are they two or three gig each i, mean, I can tell you why that happens i can't tell you why they made it happen like the mm-hmm. the reason it's so big is because most of the time when you install a flat pack the actual flat pack itself is nowhere near that it's like Still kind of big because it's like a hundred megs or two hundred megs, depending on what it is. It could be even much smaller, but the, the, what really happens is that um, there's a weird situation where the flat packs have this runtime system, and that's not necessarily bad, but it's because the the issue is that there are multiple runtimes based on 
the flat pack and the GNOME version and GTK versions and stuff like that. So the GNOME runtimes could be um, one application could be 3.30 based runtime and the other one would be 3.32. So when you install one that installs like a you know a gig of of storage or gig of data, it's because it's pulling in the whole runtime. And then you would think that okay. it would only need to do that one time with one runtime, but they have multiple different versions of the runtime that various different applications are running. So that you, by the time you install all the runtimes, you've added probably about eight to ten gigs of just runtimes, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what the issue there is. But once you have all those, the flat packs themselves are not anywhere near as big. It just seems that way because of all the runtime structure. But I mean, to, 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 in fairness to flat packs, to leave this on a positive in all of the. Um, venues that I look at, all the Telegram groups and the Discord channels, you very rarely hear people complaining that flat packs don't work. No matter what system you put them on, I, I always get positive feedback that yes, they work, which is yeah. great. Yeah, they typically yeah. work. And I'm really happy that they're making the installation process simpler or giving new options. And they've and done stuff. a great job with that. If you haven't tried it recently, the uh, flat pack is so much easier. I remember there was an episode we were talking about in which we, we were saying, you know, you have to find that huge server mm-hmm. command install with flat. Now you don't have to do that. It's just like snaps. It's flat pack install, whatever the application name is. And it will go find the server that it resides on and say, is this what you want? Mm-hmm. You say yes. And you go through and install it. It's much better mm-hmm. than been in the past yeah and i'm really happy that they've done a lot more integration with the flat hub and stuff like that so that flat pack has actually improved quite a bit from in the recent releases so i'm i definitely on a positive note i'm, I'm happy that flat packs exist i don't really care which universal application universal format people use because the developers can pick whichever of the three that they want to use because they're they none of them conflict with each other and i think that itself is a fantastic point because it's true like you don't have to. The users doesn't have to care. Just you know, give me a universal package format, and I can use it, and that's awesome. And it also eliminates a lot of the headaches with the traditional packages. So, you know, every every time there's a new thing with with Flatpak, I'm excited to see it. So check out Flatpak 1.5.0 to see all the new enhancements. Last week, we discussed Red Hat pursuing Pipewire as their pulse and jack replacement. If you're not familiar with what Pipewire is, it's a audio subsystem that is, or excuse me, it's a media subsystem that is specifically designed um, to function in 2019 based on the requirements of 2019 and things that independent content creators need. Well, this week, Jack has released an update, finally after two years. Now, nobody in here hates Jack. We're all big Jack fans, and we all acknowledge that it's a very powerful software suite that allows you to do some very, very cool things. We're all very thankful for the fact that we've had it for as long as we have, but the problem with Jack is that it is a bear to set up, and it is a bear to manage, and it can be very, very difficult, if not a complete showstopper, for people that are um, new to it and and have never played with it before. So some of the release or some of the cool things that are coming with Jack to 1.9.13, add metadata API, corrected GPL license to LGPL for files needed to build libjack, better system D integration, including signaling system D when Jack D is ready, set sec, also MIDI driver for maximum resolution possible, and code cleanup for some of the big uh, some of the big fixes. Jack is, uh, it, it's cool. And it's, it's something that I think has served it, us well for the time that it's been around. But it's time for, uh, I guess, uh, for us to look at some of these things and say, is it time for Jack to kind of be the thing that goes by the wayside and it was great for the time that it was? Or is it time for them to innovate and just become something that is simple, easy to deploy, uh, maybe you know, it would help them a lot if they would just come up with a standard UI. I know there's a bunch of GUIs that are add-ons, but like it would be great if it could get to like FFmpeg status where it it's awesome and everybody can use it. Um, and if that's not the case, I think Pipewire is going to eventually eat their lunch because they are making progress fast. Yeah, I think you make a good point there because for me, it sounds very similar to X11 and Wayland. X11 yes. did a fantastic job, but Wayland is the new thing coming along. So I that's think right. you might find that. You might have some old diehards that still want to use Jack, but yeah, this pipeline sounds really good. 
Yeah, and this is one of the weakest areas, in, in my opinion, if you were to say, okay, Ryan, honestly, what are some areas where Linux is not as good as the competition? And audio would be the number one at the top of my list. It, it There is so much frustration that I have with pulse audio. Can you get it to work and eventually everything works? Yes, but I don't have to deal with that in other operating systems. It, I don't have to tweak and do settings and write scripts to do setups to so that pulse sets equipment at the right um, you know, sample rates and these type of problems that should not exist in this day and age. This is going back to the Arch discussion. I shouldn't have to sit there in a terminal to install an operating system and enter in thousands of commands line by line. And I also shouldn't have to mess with audio interfaces and tweak them and change settings inside of config files to get a, a industry that frankly has a lot of, not everything is by a standard, but there is a set standard. And, and Noah, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that you're a not, lot of these equipment goes by. And so, and it's been that way for a long time. So it's not the situation where you've got all these manufacturers just creating all these random things. They have a standard and we don't have stuff that interfaces with it well. And there's a, there's a certain level of expectation, right? When you have content creators, and not just video content creators, but people that create music and stuff like that, there's a certain expectation, and there's a certain amount of bandwidth that is required to do stuff like that. And if you haven't participated in musical creation, then maybe you don't understand this. If you haven't done your own independent content creation, you wouldn't understand this. But there's a certain amount of mental bandwidth that is required, and it's very, very high. And so you have very little... Um, very little room left to deal with things like troubleshooting. So when you get in the zone and you're like, I'm going to go sit down and create some content. All right, here we go. So how I'm going to present this is I'm going to say it like this and set it up like, what? Jacket, what? my mic, what? And then all of a sudden it's gone, right? And it just, it sucks the life out of you. Yep. Uh, is that an accurate description, Michael? Would you say that's an accurate description? Uh, well, I mean, set up, setting up Jack is, uh, is, is a very painful thing. And I, I think that I think Jack is awesome, and I love all the different things you can do with like Carla and Cadence, and you know, making it like that you can connect different pieces, and you can take one output and an input, and then merge them together into a new input to put into another application. That is so cool and ridiculously difficult to set up. And do you agree though when technology gives you trouble that it totally sucks the life out of you for being able to create content though? Yeah, have you had an experience like that within the last oh I don't know hour or two? Well, I mean, um, if you're if referring to this this episode, you may have noticed that I haven't been the cheer per, the chipper person that I normally am, and uh, that's <laughs> no, because his hair is so messed up. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's slightly yeah. it's slightly off. So um, pretty much a disaster. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's because I have been dealing with my system for multiple reasons, uh, connection issues. I've had problems with the system locking up uh, repeatedly. And it's and it was just very frustrating and definitely has pulled a lot of my enthusiasm for computers uh, down, to, uh, you know. And now my camera just all of a sudden just switched. But Michael swears. <laughs> I don't even know how that happened. What? Michael swears he's going to stop using WSL and stay true to Linux from now on, which is great. Some point he will. Yeah. Okay. Not this week. Noah's camera just switched to. What? My camera didn't switch. What are you talking about? It did. It's it weird. Everybody's camera's like zooming backwards. All right. So there's a there's an example of how technology. Some it's amazing, and there's a lot of awesome things that happen. And sometimes, mm -hmm. other things that are not so amazing. Yeah. But best of well, luck, to Jack. And I'm glad they they created this for us because it has been that it has been the bridge in between time periods. I think of yeah. hopefully when Pipewire fills in. And, you know, up to that point. So it's, it's been a bridge that allows people to do advanced audio setups with Linux. It's too difficult to use. That's why Pipewire thinks it's going to be a thing. And um, but I'm thankful for the work that they did. Uh, probably shouldn't have two years to do a release. But I'm guessing if we were to talk to them, they would say, well, we need more people to help us. And then it would come out sooner. Yeah, so okay. it also mm -hmm. would point out it is really cool that the Ubuntu studio team are trying to make it easier to install Jack Definitely. in that case, too. So that's awesome. But that was actually a very clever link that I, I spotted you try and put in there, um, Ryan, when you talked about WSL. Because, Michael, tell us about what Linus has been saying about Microsoft. Linus has said that uh, he, he's waiting on the conversation about whether Microsoft loves Linux or not. And they don't. But he says um, 
Many in the Linux community still remember the Linux's cancer thing or the embrace, extend, extinguish quotes from Microsoft, so they're not feeling this newfound love. And he and on ZDNet had a conversation with Linus about this particular topic when they were at, when he was at a conference, and they decided to ask him a specific question about his opinion of the anti-Microsoft aspects. So he says the whole anti-Microsoft thing was sometimes funny as a joke, but not really. Today they're actually much friendlier. I talk to Microsoft engineers at various conferences, and I feel like yes, they have changed, and the engineers are happy. And they're like really happy working on Linux, so I completely dismiss all of the anti-Microsoft stuff. So Linus, who is not known for holding back, seems to have be taking you know a new approach to Microsoft and their word on the subject. Uh, Microsoft has put Linux kernel into WBCL. They have purchased GitHub. They're building some open source apps. They're releasing some of their existing software as open source, and they're now and they're also sponsoring the Linux Foundation as well as many other things. So, um, what are, we're we're so screwed if that guy ever steps away from Linux or if he dies. Like we're we're host. Like he he is such a voice of reason. Like you have these two camps. Ah, oh, Microsoft hate Linux. Ah, oh, Microsoft loves Linux. Ah, oh, Microsoft. We participate in it, right? We talk about like, mm-hmm. and then and Linus is like, well, they say they like Linux and they seem to like Linux and they show up to Linux conferences and talk about Linux and run Linux. So I guess I like Linux. <laughs> like it's just it's just super like straightforward and logical and devoid of emotion, devoid of any sort of socio political garbage. It's just. Mm-hmm. You know, out there, and like when we lose that level-headed voice of reason, I think uh, I think we're in big trouble. But how dare he bring level-headed voice of reason? It's Microsoft. We hate them. No, we don't. We love them. Yes, we do. We hate them. No, you can't mess us about, Linus. But it is it is super cool that I think he's bringing us back down to earth. Um, because he went on to say something else as well. I think Michael. He went on to say that I I don't think it's true that Microsoft has bad intentions. I mean. There, ha- there will be tension, but that's true with any company that comes into Linux. They have their own objectives, and they want to do things their, their way because they have a reason for it. He says, Microsoft tends to be mainly about Azure and doing all the stuff to make Linux work well for them. I, I we, And we can pretty much all agree that Microsoft is going to leverage Linux in a way that's well, that works for them and it's beneficial to them. And if they happen to do some good for the community, that then that's also great, right? Um, but I, I think it's actually interesting because the the point he says is that he thinks that they have changed. And I would agree that I also think that they have changed. I just don't think that the thing that they're saying is, you know, they're, they're making a claim that feels more um, verbose and more grandiose than they're actually doing. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that I, I have always talked about when we talked about these, these kinds of topics is Microsoft says they heart Linux. And it's more and getting benefit from the Linux kernel and you know putting it in the WSL and benefiting their bottom line. That's not really harding Linux. That's more like we're utilizing Linux. We're we're taking advantage mm-hmm. of the situation and that kind of thing. Exactly. So I think they have changed because previously they wouldn't have open sourced anything. They wouldn't have released anything mm-hmm. on Linux. None of that stuff would have happened, and they would have been con- like constantly attacking Linux. So I I definitely agree with with uh, Linus that it has changed. I just don't think that it's changed to the point that they're claiming it has. Well, let's just hope that the changes that they are going to bring to Linux to suit themselves, we get more benefit from that than we think we might be. So let's hope that they yeah. can bring a bit of innovation that we can we can utilize. That would be fun. I feel like I'm on an emotional roller coaster with you guys because we've had these discussions before where we've talked about Microsoft and Michael, you know, you kind of brought it back around that, you know, we're we're not buying everything, but now we're all coming around like, oh no, it's kind of great. I, I don't know. I mean I, I get that there's a balance there. And right. we've talked we've talked about the fact that Microsoft, you know, everything that they've done to this point has been self motivated and and benefits them and i think that's an important part of the two camps though that are out there fighting that are saying you know many of us who work at corporate america know what happens when big companies get involved in projects of passion they come in like a wrecking ball and they don't let go until the whole thing's destroyed then they spit it out and they go find the next thing to consume and that is corporate America. That's what they do. They suck every dime out of a project until it's dead and move on to something else. 
do they do it intentionally to kill it? No, but that's just the end result of how they go through. Oh, they just, they're so married that. to protocol and process that they don't ever take the time to want to dig in because that takes nuance and that takes effort and that takes yeah. people power. And the one thing corporate America doesn't value is human beings because they're unpredictable and frankly, they're costly. Well said. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with what you guys are saying, but I do want to, because we have gone off on Microsoft in prior episodes, make it clear that the, the reason why we're kind of agreeing with Linus, I think, here is more of the idea that he basically states, number one, you can't stop it. Um, number two, they're just doing stuff that's going to benefit them. And if Microsoft would just come out with the tagline, like, we like Linux because it benefits us, which is pretty much what a Microsoft employee told right. me in the elevator. He said, yeah. I said, you guys love, love Linux. And he goes, yeah, we love it for our stock prices. And that, I believe, is 100% true mm-hmm. of what Microsoft believes. Now, are there employees at Microsoft that love Linux and use Linux and want Linux to be a thing? 100%. And those are the people we're trying to encourage as well, because Noah has said many times, you know, build the company you want from the inside out. Right. So I'm very happy we have a lot of Microsoft employees who are big into Linux. I'm just talking about the corporate entity itself. I don't, I'm not excited about Microsoft being in Linux. I have zero excitement for it. I'm not excited about WSL. I Agreed. hate that we spent resources on it. And um, good luck to them. Yeah, good luck mm-hmm. to them. I, I agree completely. Not excited. But I am excited that there are some people who work for Microsoft who are taking it upon themselves to try to make the changes inside the company. And that's, you know, Christopher, who is a part of the DL, the DL community, who's on the disc, the discourse forum. You can go, actually, you can go to, uh, to check out the discourse forum for uh, destinationlinux.network. And you can let us know what you think about this topic on the latest episode. And there's also a thread about uh, whether you trust Microsoft or not. And Christopher made his own thread about, um, you know, the, the, the employee from Microsoft wanted to get people's opinion as how they could, you know, convince you to change your mind if you were willing to change your mind and that kind of thing. So it's definitely uh, something that's very interesting. And the topic is probably never going to die down but uh, mm-hmm. until Microsoft actually proves something. But uh, I think that it is, it is fair to say that they have changed. I just, you know, I hope they change enough. So go back and listen to some of the other episodes where we talked about Microsoft and you can see that slight swing that we're that we're trying to make um but in listening to those podcasts ryan you've got some interesting news for us on how they might achieve that so i went on to our we when we launched destination linux network one of the things we did is we created a forum for the communities to come together not just the destination linux community but you can zeb your communities there my communities there michael communities there noah's communities there and jason uh, community is there as well so you can kind of we have people from all around the world who listen to these podcasts. They can all collaborate there. So I asked the question this week on the forum, how do you listen to the Destination Linux podcast? I wanted to know, you know what specific app they use on their desktop um, to, to listen to Destination Linux. And so I got some interesting responses. Terry in the discourse forum uses Quite RSS. Is that right? Quite RSS. Uh, Christopher prefers Pocket Cast, which is a web player built into Firefox. Morrow uses Gpotter or Rhythmbox. Eric uses Can, uh, Cantata or Clementine. So um, there were a lot of people who responded Rhythmbox and Clementine and other media organization tools, typically what you would, music organization tools, mm-hmm. seem to be what a lot of individuals used as their app that they would download the episodes for. Uh, there's also a lot of love out there for an, uh, a podcasting app, Vocal. So if you're into a solution for your desktop, you can check out one of these options recommended from the community. But I thought it was interesting that so many people still listen to podcasts, not just through a web browser. Because when I'm listening back to shows or listening to podcasts, generally I just go to my browser and put it really? in place right from there. Yeah, but, you're missing oh man, I can, I've been doing it all I was day. just going to say, I can tell you as a guy who spends a lot of time digging into podcast metrics that you are very, very much the minority in that one. Yeah, that most times mobile apps. I take the road less traveled. <laughs> well, you take the road less traveled by far because uh, a lot of people, the primary podcast listeners are people that commute. So yeah. I, would I would think the phone would be the biggest thing, not yes. the desktop app. Yeah, it is. It's definitely, it's definitely well, the phone. That's what I was saying here is that I, I'm surprised because I do browser or I do something on my phone. I'm surprised so many people use a desktop app oh, I see to listen saying. to, to oh. podcasts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were yeah. saying the opposite. But, no. but I'm, not, I'm like you, Ryan, you see. I don't have 
a commute. So my commute is sitting sitting at my desk here for 20 minutes before I start work, and that's where I listen to the podcast. So I'm like you, I listen to them on a browser because yeah. I don't commute. I don't go in a car. Well, it's they're either on my phone or sitting in a browser. And like you said, uh, Zeb, I'm not in my car very often, so most of the time it's right through a browser. Yeah, I think I think there's actually like I use my my phone because I use uh, I listen to podcasts at a you know specific way. So most like, browsers can't do what I want it to do, and a lot of applications uh, on the on the, the web or, or also even the desktop typically can't do the things that I like. I haven't tried Vocal myself, so I can't um, you know say for sure. But there is an application that I use if I'm using a desktop to listen to podcasts, and that is CPod. And it used to be Colonimbus or something. They changed the name to CPod. Good job, good job, way better. They that's actually a really good. Uh, desktop application for a podcast because it has a lot of the features that mobile apps do. Like, for example, for me, when I listen to a podcast, I listen to speeds that are kind of ridiculous to most people. Except for the Ask Noah show, I'm sure, because there's no way you can listen to Ask we, Noah. We, we record that throw in, in 3X. Yeah. I mean, I actually listen to Noah, Ask Noah show at 2.5. And, oh my gosh! Yeah, I know. Uh, you, once you start doing it, you get used to how fast Noah talks. Then, you, then actually having a conversation with him is like, man, you talk very slow. And then you hear other people going, like, <laughs> he talks really fast. And like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so when I I listen to uh, podcasts at, at really fast speeds, like minimum two times. Sometimes I go up to like three point three. Like it, it it can go to ridiculous levels depending on what the kind of podcast it is. If, if I, I have can, to listen if I can to listen, your I podcast can. at three point three, I'm just deleting your podcast. I mean that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. But I, I I just like listening to the podcast at that speed because it's just I, I just like doing that. I don't know. I can't explain it. But uh, CPod has the ability to do uh, speed control on the system, so I like that. Uh, and also, this is weird. But if I'm going to listen to something really quickly and it's not like a continuous subscription thing, uh, I would use MPV because they also have speed control and all sorts of different things in it. And I uh, just nice. use a keyboard shortcut to do it. So. Lots of recommendations. Nice. If you're looking for one for us to uh, vote on, you're wrong. You've got 50. But yeah. that's a good thing. We've mm-hmm. got a lot of choices. The software yeah. spotlight is a so, lot of spotlights. <laughs> this week for our tips and tricks, this is really cool. We, You heard us talk about Ampit, but you've heard us talk about Debs. You've heard, heard us talk about RPMs. You've heard us talk about Snaps. You get the idea. We talk a lot about various different ways to have a universal installer right the problem with the universal installer is it's anything but universal because there's like a lot of them so (laughs) the way there is a new out app outlet called the universal linux app store and app outlet is a desktop linux application lets you search browse and install software distributed via the snap store via the flat pack flat hub via the app image and it's all in one place so let's say you didn't know what the flat pack flat hub is or you didn't know that you had to go to the snap store to get snaps well you don't have to worry about it you just go get the app outlet and uh, it looks actually pretty cool. If you take a look at the screenshots, um, it, it, it looks like they've done a really good job designing it. And we concentrate on what the best universal app packaging is because we think that matters. And maybe it does matter to developers, but it doesn't matter to us, the normal users. What really matters, if I'm a normal user, is if I have an app image or a flat pack or a snap or a deb or an RPM, or what, I just want the software to work. I just want to go to one place and I want to install the software and I want to have it work. And so what this allows you to do is take the various different ways that we package Linux software and pull them all into one place so you or the, the, the end user has one place to look. This is a fantastic tool. Probably should have been invented 25 years ago. I don't know why it's just coming out now or it's just coming to light now. Um, but you should absolutely check this out and install it. Install all of your software this way. And we should all be supporting them because then if Canonical is serious about, well, we just want to make a universal app. We think that's technologically superior. Great. Then support this app store where all of your snaps can be installed. And if you really believe that Flatpak is the superior technology for a given set of apps, great. Publish it to this app store and it's distro agnostic. It runs on everything. That seems like a really great way to go. What do you guys think? Well, don't you think it's a little ironic that we have to have a store to bring together all of our universal package options? It's a standard to standardize all the standards, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's corporate talk for... Um, it, it provides it provides synergy. But no, this is a good idea because the reality is this is the reality we're in, right? We have flat packs. We have app images. We have snaps. Uh, we have all of these different options out there. And I'm sure someone will come up 
in the next couple of months with some other options as well that will be the standard universal package installer. So having one place that's you know uh, agnostic to uh, any of these technologies and doesn't really care which one you want to use and lets you install easy is great. However, Michael, we were playing with this when you were over at my house and there's some issues to work out. Uh, yeah, it's it's got some it's got some issues, unfortunately, but. Uh, I still liked the the usage of it, but then I, I see the potential in it. And what's interesting is that they, there's the that Linux App Store .io, I think is what it was that we we, we talked about in a previous episode uh, that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, so this is kind of a replacement to that. And I don't think it's made by the same people. It's just like the timing of it is interesting because this comes out when that goes away. Uh, and I was and I'm not they, I don't think they, I'm not sure if they announced why it went away, but the the app outlet is an interesting thing because I think that's better to be a store that you have on your system rather than going to the web because it gives you more ability to do things that are directly on the system. And they have a, they have ability to install it in various ways, including an app image if you want to. So that's pretty cool that you can have an app image install the other formats and stuff like that. Um, the, there are some issues. One of the things is that the searching is not, uh, that accurate it does help a l- it does work for the most part but there there's uh, other problems where the categorization and the organization overall is kind of confusing so for example i would search for sublime text and i would see three different options i would and then i would search for and i would put uh, go to the section for text editors and it would have one of those options or if i go to the development category it would have none of them so it like it and it would it would list those as the tag for the individual application but it wouldn't display it in every case. So there's some issues it has and there's also some weirdness where the categories are you know kind of redundant in some cases overall that kind of thing. But the the app outlet itself is a really interesting thing cuz I think that they have a lot of potential and it just there's a few bugs here and there. And uh, and one of the biggest things that I noticed was that snaps and app images are not directly installable. Uh, only flat packs are. So if you go to a flat pack, it will have an install button. But if you go to the other ones, it won't. And you have to download the app image from like it'll send you to a website to download the app image, or the snap will take you to the snap page to get the code to install it. So I wish it would just have a way to integrate it, and like you could say. You know, you go into the settings of the app and say, "Did you do have snaps installed? If so, here, like, here's how you set up the snaps. And if you don't have snaps installed, it wouldn't even display the snaps in the store. That would be fantastic. But unfortunately, it does display them, so it might not be that helpful. So I think, like, overall, I think it's it has a lot of potential. It just needs to be polished up a little bit, and it could be a fantastic mm-hmm. solution. And if you want to use it, so, it's available as an app image, which I love. Yes. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Very clever. So that was a great uh, tip there. So thanks very much indeed for that, Noah. Well, we want to give a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching and listening to Destination Linux. This show, for instance, took us three and a half hours to produce only because we had major technical issues. So you may notice that it's a little shorter, but we still struggled through even though Noah's in a snowstorm. Michael's been having computer issues. That's because we love our patrons. We do this for you. So we want to give a special shout out for all of your support. We do a live show for our patrons, so come join us if you want to be a part of the show. You can join us for just $1. That, my friends, is darn near free. We also have several new tiers of Patreon with additional perks to check out. I also want to mention one thing, give a big shout out, and Noah's going to talk about it as well, to our Mumble server. Make sure you go join it because it's awesome. Speaking of support, become a part of the Destination Linux community by going to destinationlinux.network and joining our forms and our new Mumble server. Listen, a lot of other places want you to get involved. The problem with them is they don't make it easy. They want you to participate with the way that they want you to participate. There's this guy that does this show on Tuesday nights called the Ask Noah Show. He's a real clown. He doesn't really, he's got good information, but everything's just, he wants you to call in on the phone. It's a real pain. A lot of, nobody uses a phone in 2019. He can't get his brain wrapped around. It's terrible. Guess what? Destination Linux, we don't tolerate that. That stuff. You go to destinationlinux.network. We have everything you could imagine. We have chat. We have forms. We have mumble. We, I mean, if you can think of a way to connect with us, we want to connect with you. So help us help you. 
help us help you by going to destinationlinux.network. If you want to chat about this episode, you want to chat about a past episode, you want help with uh, your life, uh, we offer all of those <laughs> services. Michael will, is happy. He's a, he's a certified counselor. As you can see from this episode, he's been very stressed. He's dealing with it well. He has great coping skills. He can help you with that. Destinationlinux.network. Come over there. Check it out. We would love to hang out with you and chat about some open source and Linux. So please get back to us and let us know what you think or ask that burning question. And um, we've got numerous methods that uh, Noah has just alluded to. You can send an email to comments at destinationlinux.org or you can go to destinationlinux.org forward slash contact and find out about our Telegram groups, our Discord, our Twitter, our Mastodon, Mumble service. Keep it coming. And finally, don't forget to join that Mumble server because it's all well and good us providing you the services. But if you don't come and chat to us, then it was a bit of a waste of time at the end of the day. So please come and join us and please keep all that information coming through. And a couple of things on that. Uh, Michael and I were gaming yesterday. We were playing an awesome game, Warframe. We were in the Mumble room there. So if you want to hold gaming sessions with your friends or listen in on other folks streaming, we have that there in the Mumble server. So we're checking out. But I think one of the coolest things is we made a call out that we were close to a thousand and you all answered to get us over that mark. So we have hit a thousand people in our telegram group. So thank you awesome. so much for the support. And what that does is make Brilliant. an incredible community from all around the world, all of these perspectives, but it's the destination Linux community. So what do you get? You get kindness, you get respect, you get people treating each other like you should treat other human beings and a lot of talking about Linux and open source, which is awesome. And if you want more content, the fun doesn't stop here. We also have our own channels where you can check out uh, Ryan's content, including the video that we both uh, posted on, uh, you know, about Bitwarden. You can check out his content by going to youtube.com slash dosgeek, where he fills your brains on hardware, software, and all things Linux. You can check out Zeb, where you can hear me found playing games uh, for his Zebedee, Zebedee Gaming YouTube channel. And you might find him doing an occasional Gentry stream or here, here and there. And you can go there to youtube.com slash Boss. And uh, link in the show notes for everything. Uh, you can check out my content at tuxdigital.com, where I do an in-depth weekly Linux news podcast, This Week in Linux, and other Linux-related content. And uh, Noah can be found uh, doing his weird phone call thing uh, on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Central, where he does a weekly talk radio show. You can join him, and he'll answer all your Linux and tech questions and all that. And be sure to uh, share the show on social media and to uh, like that smash button. And remember, everybody have a great week. And please remember that the journey itself is not quite as important as having a fully working system. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs>